Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Watch 100 Isekai with your host, Zaku, and Thermites. Bam, bam, bam. We'll talking about Aura Battler Dunbine. Ah, uh, yeah. It's Tomino time. Sadly, I think for the. Wait, no, not for the last time. In fact, <laughs> it's not only going to be the only Tomino time. This, this is not the only. Get, well, we're going to go back to the exact same other world in another show. Yes, this is like we're going back to Bison Well. Don't worry about it. If you're wondering, hey, these guys are launching into it real quick. They're not even explaining what the fuck a Bison Well is. Don't worry. It's not like we understand that either. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess I will say, though, before we begin that this came out. Well, the series or a battle or Dunbine came out between uh, February 5th, 1983 to January 21st, 1984. So it's a uh, it's an 80s series. However, this is an adaptation of some light novels that Yoshiki Tomino made. And Yoshiki Tomino, if you don't know, is the he's the big honcho behind Gundam. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, of course, he did a bunch of other mecha things before he actually did Gundam. Oh, yeah. One of which happens to be done by him. Yeah, like there's honestly Gundam is not his baby like he likes Gundam well enough, but a lot of what you the audience think of when you think of Gundam is not what Yoshiki Tomino thinks of when he thinks of Gundam for better or for worse. Like he does. He's he is the reason why Gundam has such an interesting flavor to it. it he started a lot of things that later series, you know, just kind of shamelessly rip off. But at the same time, <laughs> not every decision he makes is the best. Yoshiyuki Tomino has been known to have problems with depictions of women in his uh, work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although that has led to some extremely funny interviews. I would highly recommend everyone check out the interview he did with Hideki Anno if you have a strong enough stomach for it. <laughs> That's a wild one. And, uh, you know, just like a lot of uh, Yoshi, uh, Yoshiki Tomino's other work, this was made by Sunrise. Though, if you like modern, very bishy Sunrise. Uh, Tomino is uh, someone who has a very uh, pronounced authorial language. And I think I already told you to check out that interview. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, uh, again, if you think you can handle it. And uh, I, I wanted to follow on before we do this. I think at this in this episode especially, I'm gonna say a lot of things in this tone of voice, which of course <laughs> indicates uh, marks around the words I'm saying because I'm quoting an entire sentence, or I just need to let you fully and uncommented know what's happening because this episode had a lot of content and a lot of words. Tm. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so why don't we start right off, unless you have anything else that you want to add before our recap. No, I think we're good. I think that's enough preamble. Okay, well then, this episode starts with a very 90s OP, even though it's the 80s. <laughs> we have a lot, of, a lot of chanting, so the word aura is said a lot, and we get to see who all the relevant characters are. Yeah, we see someone in what looks like sort of the Green Ranger outfit from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fighting with a sword. He goes into a big bug-like robot. There's a bug-like spaceship. I think this does a good job of giving you, like, you know, this is the general look of Nunvine. Yeah, it's a lot of glowy energy, a lot of robots, and a lot of medieval castles in very barren, empty places. Mm-hmm. I do think it does a much better job than a lot of other uh, isekai we've read thus far of feeling like a fantasy world. Like, every shot feels otherworldly. It all feels very like we're doing an adventure somewhere else. This ain't Japan. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of very classical sort of fantasy imagery. Lightning bolts on dark castles, <laughs> ominous forests, people in armor riding horses. Ah, uh, yeah. All, all the classic D&D &D players handbook circa 1998 stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say that also, the opening is very direct. Like, this is not just a random pop song they slapped on. It is very much about uh, having an aura and doing battles and uh, flying around <laughs> and being a battler. 
I believe the main part of it goes aura, aura, aura. So yeah, and it does end with the, the singer just saying, "I'm a battler." To be fair, she says, "I am a soldier." That's just the translation. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, you're right. I suppose it's not wrong. <laughs> okay, well. The actual way we start off the show is buck wild. Mm-hmm. So we pan from a shot of a bike shop to a guy riding his bike. So like a motocross bike across the highway. A guy in a truck and a guy in a sports car roll up to him saying, motocross is not something rich people should do, you know, and try to run him off the highway. Uh-huh. He does a sick stunt jump off the back of the sports car guy's car and jumps straight <laughs> into a magic portal to another dimension. No, a That's portal is beginning. a portal is going kind of hard. He turns into pink sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just kind of poofs away in midair on his bike. Now, please let me let me say the narration verbatim. I must. I love it so much. Oh, I wanted to do it, but okay, yeah. Like we, we, you do it. It'll be fine. Just thinking it up. You do it. <laughs> I do like the idea of saying it's in unison. Fine, we can try, but it's gonna be awful to listen to. I mean, what part of this is not awful to listen to already? Okay, fair enough. We're gonna count mm-hmm. it. I'm gonna count us down from three. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Fortunate, Fortunate are those, those that, that remember, remember the tale, the tale of, Bison of Bison Well. Even though, though we are born on this earth, <laughs> imprinted with those memories, we are given this nature, but we cannot remember them. It is for this reason that I shall relate to you the story as the me Ferrari tell it. Now, Fermite, just say that again, because that sentence is incomprehensible hearing it only once in audio. <laughs> Don't crack up now. Say it without laughing. I mean, I will say part of it was that we were trying to sync it up. The other part is that it is unbelievably buck wild. Okay. <laughs> so, fortunate are those who. Okay. Let me scroll back real quick. <laughs> Don't worry. This is a difficult. Don't worry. We didn't misspeak. It was just say it. Just say it. Mm-hmm. Say it. Okay. So. Fortunate are those that remember the tale of Byston well. Even though we are born on this earth, imprinted with those memories, we are given this nature that we cannot remember them. It is for this reason that I shall relate to you the story as the me Ferrario tell it. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can even go into that sentence. It's like indecipherable. It's just... We've been talking about the sentence for a month. (laughs) (laughs) We sure have. Because it's so fucking (laughs) batshit insane. I don't know if this is just a really awkward translation or if it's like this in Japanese. But this is just so hard to comprehend in its full entirety. Yeah, like this is either a rough translation or it's a translation that is written very specifically because someone, you know, the person who did the Blu-rays had to try and make this make sense in English. And this is as close as you can get. Yeah, either everything in this thing means two things in Japanese or it's just really worded in a cumbersome way. Also, it's just unclear. Uh, It has a lot of commas. (laughs) (laughs) we are given this nature that we cannot remember them could be (laughs) like i think what they're getting at is we are we are born with memories that we can't remember yeah like all human beings have memories of bison well but we can't remember them because we're human but the me ferrario know the tale of bison well and they say it, and this is someone saying, this is not a member of the Mi Ferrario telling us the tale. It is a human being who has heard the tale from the Mi Ferrario and is now retelling it to us, the audience. Is a Mi Ferrario, is the main character a Mi Ferrario because he drives vehicles a lot? <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that, but I could definitely see the origin being someone shows up in a Ferrari and they say it's my Ferrari and that eventually gets distorted into me Ferrario. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but at okay. the same time, again, this is Tomino, 
So this could just be a name where he's like, yeah, this makes sense. You just have to listen to it. Yeah. It makes sense. The Miferario, an everyday name that you would give a normal fantasy thing. Hmm. Well, anyway, listeners, think about that sentence for yourself and figure out in your heart what you think it means. Mail into us. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail. No cheating. No cheating and watching the entire show. Figure it out with one episode. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to so. be fair, if you really like Dunbine and you've seen the whole series and you just you, know, you need to explain why it's a good series and why everything in episode one makes sense, do let us know as well. I'm I'm fine with being corrected. Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead with that. Hmm. So after leaving the Doctor Who opening credits, which suck our main character into another dimension. Mm-hmm. We pan across a nicely painted nighttime landscape of tall mountains and dense, ominous forests. Some atmospheric music starts playing, and we finish our pan on a medieval castle in the middle of the forest. Our main character just kind of drops out of the sky with his motorcycle. (laughs) Yeah, like, the pink sparkles he turned into now kind of just, like, fall from the sky in a pillar, and then I don't know if they become him or if he just kind of, like, falls. Just kind of drops. There's also, like, some steam that goes into him. Yeah, there's a girl with, like, purple hair watching him. And she's like, ah, the third one, he came with a machine. Mm Hmm. Actually, no, that's a soldier saying that. My bad. Yeah. You got some soldiers Uh, wearing some very bright outfits. Like, you got some very garish purples and pinks and reds and blues. Yeah, but this is a pretty historically accurate castle, meaning there's basically some walls around the courtyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in that courtyard, our main character is now lying next to his motorcycle, sort of trying to like look at the surroundings, try to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. It, he's in the goddamn fantasy world. <laughs> Ah, there are some nobles talking about how they don't like watching, you know, someone else break prohibitions. There's some <laughs> political intrigue in the back. There's someone locked in a cage. Yes. Um. There's a guy in an evil robe who says he... Yeah. Okay. There's a guy that's a king. He's a wife. They're important. And there's a blonde guy. And I think that's shot. I think that's shot, yeah. Oh, anyway, he says he wants one more, but the king says to let the silky rest. The soldiers then decide to put the silky back in the water prison. (laughs) (laughs) And the silky seems to be some kind of nymph. Yeah, they also uh, he also says that the Ferrario women will come uh, rescue the silky if they don't keep their double barriers up. Yes. Um, then, as the cage of the silky is lowered back into the water, um, some soldiers see a fairy coming in, and they're like, ah, they must be a Ferrario from Given's place. Mm Hmm. That was Champha, right? The Ferrario allied with Neil Given. Fuck. I cannot imagine that you could possibly successfully recap everything that happened in Dunbine episode one in a way that's listenable. But yeah, like okay. I so <laughs> we, the, the guy yelling all this is a guy in a red suit with bluish gray hair. He's important in this episode, but I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Also, the the silky is crying air bubbles underwater as it. <laughs> Get yeah. Lowered into this. It's all very dramatic. Because yeah, her tears Meanwhile, do go upwards. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, a man character is sitting there, and um, he gets approached by the guy with blue hair, and he's like, and those, he says that a person from Upper Earth. Mm-hmm. Can you come with me? This will take a while to explain. And oh boy, does it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this episode's like eighteen minutes long, but it feels like a hundred and twenty <laughs> minutes. Oh, it's a real thick boy. And the main character says, oh, what if I don't want to come with you? Uh, but something, something, silky power, something, you can't come back, just just come with us. 
<laughs> the lighting's also really interesting in the shot because our main character, like initially he's on the ground. It looks like he's in shadow, but then he stands up and he gets into a fist fight with the man with blue hair. And our main character remains in shadow the entire time, even when they're trading blows. Like his fist goes and punches the man with blue hair and his fist does not change shading at all. So I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I just noticed that i think that's unintentional unless getting transported to the other world makes you grayscale and they painted him in the time he was asleep <laughs> because uh burn the guy with blue hair does end up punching him out by punching in the middle of the visor of his helmet mm -hmm. showing that he is a strong fight guy mm -hmm. and um, as expected of no. someone from upper earth they do have the power to ride the aura roads this is sad after he punches every the man in the second, face you need to i need our listeners to understand that every second sentence in this episode is exactly like this <laughs> they'll say something innocuous and they'll say ah yes the space ferraris have given him the star power to align with us <laughs> i'm i'm pulled that out my ass but it makes exactly as much sense as anything they say in this episode <laughs> without further context the exposition is rarely relevant to what is happening, or if it is relevant, it is like you get something like the fairy flying in and then everyone expositing about the fairy, even though it doesn't do anything. Okay, we cut to some fucking unicorns riding through a forest. Hey, it's the opening of Skyrim. Oh, <laughs> they're hey, taking a traveler. <laughs> uh, our main boy, plus two other people, presumably the other two that were summoned, are being taken to the machinery house. You would call it As an armory. I would call it an armory. <laughs> we have... There's uh, so much um, like this. We have our main character. We have a guy in a leather jacket that's kind of sleazy looking. That's mm -hmm. uh, complaining to Mr. Byrne about his shackles. And we have an American. Oh, boy. <laughs> so if you see this American... He looks like Bernie from War in the Pocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've seen Gundam, imagine Bernie from War in the Pocket. He's wearing, like, a military jacket. He's blonde. Mm-hmm. He's got a very grumpy look. Yeah. He has a lot of sort of, not sexual tension, more like racist tension with our main character. Yeah, I mean... The one thing I remember about him consistently is that he only refers to our main character as Jap. And I'm pretty sure they just keep uh, throwing soft core slurs at each other the entire episode. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what their relationship is like. Sleazy guy doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. Sleazy guy seems to be from Ukraine because he mentions that like when they're all talking about how their areas aren't doing so well, he says that uh, Kharkov is also not doing very well. Yes. When the American confronts uh, our main character about uh, getting back home, main character remarks that, well, there are poisons without antidotes. <laughs> so you believe I it's so hard to do this whole thing without just saying what they're saying, not just because. We didn't properly write a full recap for this episode. Mm -hmm. But also because every fucking sentence is so loaded with bullshit that it's really hard to unpack in a way that way we just focus on the relevant things. Yeah, like for most of the series we've read up to this point, I keep on saying red. Um, like they have words. They have a lot of stuff that's very specific to the series. But you can also kind of just shorthand a lot of it. Like, if someone brings up a magic system, you can kind of just, in the back of your head, go, okay, whatever, that's just magic. It, it works the same way as any other magic, and it usually does. Dunfine is, like, Dunfine addresses many of my concerns when it comes to Isekai. Like, this is not just a generic fantasy world. The problem is, yeah. it is so ungeneric, it is so violently ungeneric, that there is tons and tons of unique stuff that they just don't really explain. They just kind of throw it out there. Yeah, the problem is that, like, a lot of episodes we're able to skip over these words because, obviously, it's just random stuff that's interjected. Like, it's not actually anything interesting. It's just stuff that we already know with a new name, which my favorite is usually giving a new name, giving an old name to stuff that we don't know. 
which is the spiciest one. Like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a dragon. And you look at it in some kind of eldritch horror from beyond space and time. That's my favorite <laughs> version of this. But this is hitting a completely different spot in the Venn diagram, where it's words we don't know for concepts we don't understand. <laughs> it is the unknown unknown. Yes, this is maximum incomprehensibleness. So <laughs> let's just focus on broad... Like, this episode, for once, is absolutely not... If you want to watch the rest of Dunbine, you need to actually watch episode one of Dunbine. This podcast is not going to help you fully understand the show. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The appeal of this episode should just be us stumbling over this minefield. So, there's some more character building. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Is that what that is? I assume so. I assumed all the racism is supposed to be character building. Mm -hmm. We get some more explanations of all the cool little UFOs and walker machines and get a bunch more names dropped. But yeah, I think uh, for all that, we can skip over and say they get led to the armory where they get shown a bunch of crazy sci-fi bullshit before being told that they're supposed to pilot robots because people from Upper Earth have the power of aura magic. Also, um, let's not skip over the fact that uh, those UFOs are the first machine that Lord Shot Weapon developed for us in this country. Like, Shot's name oh, is, his course. full name is Lord Shot Weapon. And they are, that's the thing, the other thing, I want to talk about a lot of the fine details of this episode because they're very interesting, because in the middle of this medieval mm -hmm. castle, there's a room where people with masks and modern, like, clinical gear are manufacturing microchips because this world clearly has had rich relations already with upper earth as they call it so mm. they are in the midst of a technological revolution yeah like it has makes the setting really interesting all the buildings are still old but the insides contain extremely normal modern technology yeah, like it has the aesthetic of a you know a very undeveloped country that has just been given a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't have that aesthetic because also like it's not like it's not like they took the stuff from another world. It is all locally developed. It is just this incongruity of this stuff is not in equivalent to all the stuff around it. Like it's a very hard yeah. it's a very hard uh, contrast. Yeah, and that's what makes the entire aesthetic of the show so interesting, because there's, like, clearly this, like, two fields coming together. This is not a show that treats magic like magic. This is just like, oh, yeah, we have these, you know, this is very clearly already an empire. Like, you get a very clear culture of this mm -hmm. semi-fascist empire that we're in that really is like, oh, yeah, fucking fairies. Can we power robots with fairies? Mm-hmm. Our free robot pilots get let to pilot their robots. <laughs> uh, but they also establish that if they pilot the robots well enough, they will get land the size of California. Oh, man, that entire conversation is so good. It's really good. <laughs> they talk a lot about, uh, they talk a lot about, you know, oh, yeah, I know what California is. The <laughs> Americans talk about the New York Depression earlier. There's so much little rich yeah. details in this show that we do not have time to go into. Yeah, I, I think it is important to establish that Lord Shot Weapon does come from California. Like that is specifically why they bring up that you will obtain land the size of California. Shot comes from California and presumably like the reason why this world has all of this new information is because he has been telling everyone, you know, he is the typical isekai main character. He's the one who showed up and said, all right, we're making guns. <laughs> yeah, we're making guns and mechs and microchips. <laughs> and uh, my name is Lord Shot Weapon. <laughs> You know, until now, I mean, to be fair, this is Tomino, so that could be his real name. I didn't consider the idea that could have been an alias he came up with. The problem is, because this is Tomino, I'm sure it's an alias, but you're gonna hear his real name, and it's gonna be like, my name is Gunnister Knife, <laughs> but I go as Lord Shot Weapon as an alias. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Yeah. When has, when has a person in the Tomino Works alias ever been less dumb than their real name? 
It's a rare one. Anyway. Yes, please. <laughs> we get some more introductions to how these robots work. We see that they're piloted. They're mostly controlled by some kind of artificial muscle, and they are fought and aura-controlled. Our main character says he doesn't believe in dumb shit like auras and magical energy, and that <laughs> he just gets ignored. <laughs> uh, <sighs> we, uh, we get a whole lot more words. So uh, many yeah. words. <laughs> uh, and we find out that the main goal is to secure the proper cooperation of a silky, because presumably you can only get people from the other world using a silky's magic. Yeah. Later in the evening, they are promised to meet Lord Drake, mm -hmm. the king of wherever this is, at a party where they have, like, a bunch of fairies and dancers in a big arena. Yeah. They have a feast with the king and the queen and lord shot weapon and they just release a big monster in the arena while the fairies and everything's still in there yeah like Everyone's this is scared this is a planned event but they don't tell anyone about it which sounds like an oxymoron but no that's just how they did it yeah they just wanted to demonstrate their cool robots which to be fair who doesn't want to see cool robots yeah it's a big old like it feels very Ladybug inspired. Like it's got a very big Ladybug shell. It's got wings that come out of it. It's got like a tiny little like dagger that it fights with. Yeah. They the our main trio meets Lord Shot for the first time. <laughs> who <laughs> proclaims that as a fellow American, he would like to some other American to believe in his work. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, God. You also need to understand that Lord Shot Weapon is dressed up in, like, H.R. Giger's bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's got, like, a ribcage on it. It's like a cloak. It's got sort of Xeon colors. Yeah. It's a wild look. Yeah. We see... That it's Burn piloting the big Lady Mac Mac, and he honors and dedicates his victory to the great Drake Luft, which of <laughs> course is the emperor of his place. He's yeah. got sort of a cleft, not a cleft chin, like a cleft head. Yeah, it's 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 very penile. <laughs> he has a magic bouncing cane that stands on its own. It's definitely alive because yeah, it also bounces around. It leaves oh, yeah, at one just, point. It's so right, it just flies away. It's magic dragonfly cane. <laughs> and they're talking about how great it's going to be to conquer all the nations for world peace. Yeah, Drake also says, like, oh, we have three new battlers. Is this not a sign that it's time to take over the world? As if they didn't summon them. <laughs> a massive explosion appears mid-card. Yes, this is only half the episode. There's so much. <laughs> A giant explosion. Uh, more robots attack, and uh, we see that it's the House of Given. Mm -hmm. That's not the Given. Given is a name. It's capitalized. It's a last name. Yeah. They fly in on an aura ship as well. It does seem like all the aura tech is, like, the main trait is that it moves very smoothly. There aren't any, like, thrusters or anything. They're just very agile, and they kind of zip around. Yeah, although most of the mechs do seem to have come some kind of frost propulsion. Anyway, this attack's mm -hmm. over. Lord Luft and his wife are in are in a carriage. Mm -hmm. And they say how great technology is and uh, how great it is to get funds for the military like this. And his wife asks if he thinks he can control the country of ah, <laughs> like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, can you take over real quick? Can you start recapping this? I need a short break. It's yeah, don't worry, okay. it's fine. But yeah, they also okay. say his wife is very blasé about a lot of the stuff. Like she outright says, uh, because of the power of the ore battlers, we've obtained electricity and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and while expounding about this and that, about these ore battlers, Doris and the like, you sell that very technology to you know, obtain funds for the military. It is a very clear, like, 
they have lowered shots regardless of whether he's in on it or not he they are just using his technology in order to get money to rule the world and i mean he has to be in on it there's no way he's not i assume lord shot lord shot really seems like the type of person who does not care yeah i don't think lord shot has ever had a moral concern in his life <laughs> Right now, Lorshot reminds me a little of the main character of Knights and Magic, in that it seems like he just really likes Mecha, and he wanted to just go to a world and make a bunch of Mecha. Which I suppose is innocent enough in its own right, but yeah. This is like an entire big conversation about funding your own military campaign by selling the weapons first off to your neighboring country so you can fund an army properly. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of talk about inciting uh, conflict to have a just cause to move out your military. This is the real, like, if you didn't think this was a Tomino show until now, oh, it's yeah. a Tomino show. <laughs> <laughs> and you, damn it, Tomino is going to tell you about war. Oh, yeah. And <sighs> Mr. Cleft Eyebrows, Drake Luft, is... <laughs> Drake Luft is like, I'm doing a good here, <laughs> deed here. Raises his head in the like arts ah, makes this makes like the like Atsugoi ah, face. <laughs> and then says, I'm such a devoted man. Ah, this man. Yeah, so I cannot stress enough that you should watch this episode for yourself at least once <laughs> before you can listen to this episode. It's this is incomprehensible. <laughs> the camera moves to the castle uh, and we zoom into the a room of our main character as he is recapping. And the first line he says, the thing that defines Bison well is the world between the sea and the shore. What? The it ah uh, uh, is a country there. The country's regional lords. He gives us a recap, which I suppose uh -huh. is helpful, but so Ah is a country. The country of Ah's regional lord is Drake Luft. Yeah. And well is the world between the shore and the sea. What does that mean? By the way, the country of Ah is spelled as A-H. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea how else I'm supposed to say that. That that's not a funny bit we're doing. That's just what it's called. <laughs> I mean, that's also how they say it. So he's he's expositing in his sleep, <laughs> and then he gets a, a double kicked in the face by that fairy from before. Yeah, who raises the moral concern of working for this fascist empire. But I mm -hmm. think the main character, justifiably enough, doesn't even <laughs> understand what he's doing enough to properly deal with this. He is also she, surprised that she has teeth. She bites him and he goes, he, she has teeth? <laughs> he grabs her. <laughs> she says, if you're mean to kneel next time, I'll kill you. And leaves. <laughs> I, Not before bumping into the window. <laughs> presumably they put up the double barrier, but it doesn't seem to be helping. <laughs> I think this is a different castle. I guess so. I guess it might be the double barriers over the area where they uh, keep the selkie, but the other oh castle God. doesn't have the double barrier. Yeah. Oh my. Can we talk about Burns' horse? Ah, oh, yeah. You want to talk about Burns' horse? It's a black unicorn with a white mane and like an eye fold with evil red eyes drawn on it. The only thing I can think of when I look at that is um ah. Uh, the evil Ultraman, who also has, like, these S-shaped squiggly eyes. That is exactly what this yes. horse has. It, they're just bright red squiggles for eyes that look evil. They're like the, they're like the ACDC lightning as its eyes in deep red. <laughs> like, it has to be a mask that they put over. Yeah, yeah, because you can even see, like, a little attachment. So this is an aesthetic choice. This is a, like, yeah, I like the way my horse looks. Now, they say in this scene that Neil ran away. Up until recently, I assumed that the silky with green hair was Neil. Clearly, I'm wrong. I don't understand at all what's happening in this episode anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we move on to our first test flight of the actual robot. One of these is clearly Dunbine. We all know it's Dunbine. 
you've seen mm-hmm. the title of the show, we know which yep. one is Aura Battle Dunbide. The American settles down in his mech, jumps out, and immediately yells, trying new things is always tiring. <laughs> uh, the uh, black-haired guy is having trouble piloting his mech. Mm-hmm. The, both a Japanese and American man. I, I what for my honest mm-hmm. question? What's yes. our main character's name? We have not seen his name yet. I believe <laughs> I. I checked the wiki. His name. His name is Shozama. We have not heard the name yet. <laughs> we have not. They're kind of just you know letting him breathe. We don't need to know his name. It's fine. It's fine. There's other things that are more important right now. Uh, they also established that the mecha aren't that strong right now, but it is like because they're tied to life energy as they get used to piloting them, they'll get stronger, which is honestly, that's a good like that's a good system. I wish more like Super Robot series did that. Or I wish, yeah, yeah, because then you don't have to BS a power up at any point. It is just, you know, it, it, it's good because you're a better pilot. Well- Thermite, let uh-huh. me tell you, I can give you an entire dissertation because I've been thinking a lot recently about the five central things that power super robots. Okay, but please. I do not think that we have, no, we don't have time. Do you know mm-hmm. how long we've already been doing this recap? We're just, we're, all, we're barely three thirds of the way through this episode. <laughs> ah, it's fine. No. Okay, we'll, no, we'll save it. Not- we'll save it for a bonus episode. Okay, write that down. Write that down. Okay. For real. We'll do this bonus episode for real this time. We're not just saying this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they're having an entire conversation with Lord Shot. It's about how they're contracted for this military force against their will until their name echoes throughout the lands. It's mm-hmm. all good. This is fine. There's nothing wrong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're already pretty sure three factions deep in this show, of which we have mainly seen one. We have so many characters that we've seen, but we don't know the name of, including at least one female soldier in our military force and our main character. (laughs) As is a rarity with the uh, Isekai series, the American does ask, like, hey, when are you going to return us to upper Earth? Yeah. And he's like, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. This is the ultimate, I don't want to be here. You just came and drafted me in a war in another planet. I don't know. What mm-hmm. the fuck is happening? And they are set, They are told, when your name echoes throughout this land of awe, there shall be amnesty. Yeah. They fly over the Inu-chan mountains, and they, uh, they all try some fancy... Mm-hmm. Lord Chod <laughs> they... also just says, just humor us. Just to humor them. Mm-hmm. They get assaulted by an enemy force in the middle of their maneuvers after Shuzama tries to pull a dumb stunt and almost gets his mech wrecked. <laughs> we get a little bit more fighting. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, okay, no. All the beetle mechs so far only have swords because they did not want to give them guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that very un Very un-American. Yeah, clearly, like, you know, normally you just expect... But this is the thing, right? They're, like, a step late. They already isekite someone else who introduced all the guns. Now they <laughs> need to... Now the main character has to deal with the problems. Mm. Anyway, in the middle of this, some... <laughs> basically, I think, a cyber new type comes up to a main character and says, You stupid man, don't you realize you're fighting for a fucking evil emperor? And she's <laughs> like, What? <laughs> and that that's the end of this scene <laughs> this is just as like this is so like that's the thing right this is just a lot of scenes happening and there's very little interplay they just cut to hours and hours later as different shit is happening all the time nothing flows into each other everything that's yeah. happening is interesting but it's not it doesn't flow very well <laughs> By the way, I, I noticed you skipped over the fact that the person who says, hey, you're working with a fascist, stop it, is, of course, Disney's most profitable character, Marvel Frozen. What? Her name is Marvel Frozen of the Danayoshi. Oh, my fucking God. For real? Yeah. I was I thought just based on the looks, you were going to make an Anastasia joke. <laughs> 
I can't make a new joke when the best one's right in front of me. I tweeted this as soon as I saw this episode. <laughs> it's such a strong name. Frozen. <laughs> oh Omino's naming God. sense is so powerful. I can't believe it. I don't <laughs> know what I need, who I need to sell my soul to to be able to name people like Tomino can. <sighs> Only Tomino can do it. I don't think there's another human being on the planet who has Tomino's aesthetics. <laughs> that man called Todd. He did nothing. Quote from the cyberpunk releasing. After everyone realized that this is not in fact a Todd Howard game, it just feels like one. Mm -hmm. Todd Guinness, why did you not fight? Right, that's the American's name, I forgot. <laughs> ah, the American complains, how can we fight without guns? <laughs> ah. Yeah, they, they realize that it, it is, of course, given that, you know, stage this assault, and though they gotta go beat him down, they gotta punish him. Actually, didn't they say Roman staged this assault? Uh, I believe, let's see. Well, his full name is Roman Given. Okay. They are the same character. Oh, okay. By the way, if you think the name is Shozama... I'm not sure if this is just a subs, but I'm pretty sure you're using the official Blu-ray subs. And uh -huh. his name isn't Shozama as in Sho, S-H-O, the real Japanese name. Uh -huh. It's Shozama as in S-H-O-W-Z-A-M-A. -A. Are, those are two separate names. Oh, yeah. We're almost done with this episode. We have yeah. some little bonding between Burn and Sho. This is the first time we actually hear his name, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, the show explains that uh, even, you know, because he has a lot of aura power, he shouldn't have confidence, but he has pride as a Japanese person. So as long as he's being kept alive, he'll do it. <laughs> and then Sho looks at Dunbine, looks at the sky and goes, where am I? When you come to a place like <laughs> this, your native blood cries out. <laughs> <laughs> which has the big gate energy of the guy coming to another world, declaring a war, and being like, where am I? <laughs> this, is, this does have very reverse gate energy, because, by the way, uh, Marvel Frozen did say that she is also from Upper Earth, and she clearly knows what's going on, and shows response to, well, you know, I I know what's here. I, the reason we attacked is because you work for a fascist empire, and we have very limited resources. Why are you doing this? Is just, hey, I just got here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is all like, I feel like this makes a lot more sense than Gato, and also, mm -hmm. obviously, Tomino does not like the military. Yeah, like, I think this is supposed to be a very ham-fisted, like, show is going to change sides at some point, like, he's gonna figure it out. It's he just has an entire squad of very nature-loving, cool hippies that are in the opening with him and on his side. It's, it's very clear that he'll steal the stunbine and defect. It's just that Tomino doesn't have much subtlety. Like, he's not doing the classic, I'm going to build up the main character in this world that seems very good, and then we get we do a twist around episode five that, oh no, actually, it's bad, and he's working for fascists. He, he packs it right into episode one, and our main, the main character is not, like, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on, it's just he doesn't understand. All the words it's have been given to him. Much it, he was shoved in a robot out after being pulled through a matted portal in the middle of doing a stunt jump on his motorcycle. <laughs> He's still a bit shell-shocked. I mean, we've been shell-shocked talking about Dunvine. We don't know what's going on. I, I have to give show some credits. Like, fine, fair. Like, you know, like, for everything that's hard to understand, Tomino is definitely a sort of, like, subtext is for cowards writer, mm -hmm. as evidenced by a character like Lord Shot Weapon. <laughs> you can't say Kojima wasn't definitely influenced how he names people by Tomino. Tomino paved the way for Die Hard Man. <laughs> Tomino is nothing if not brave and straightforward. Regardless, he's not, he doesn't always do hits. He's got a lot of misses. He has some bad taste, but he is very honest. <laughs> he, he goes in on what he thinks, and you have to be very 
you have to be extremely media literate to look at a Yoshiyuki Tomino work and not at least get that he is it's screaming a political message at you. I think that's also why he has such a propensity for doing weird esoteric things. Because he's already, like, if you layer your world in a bunch of wacky stuff that doesn't make any sense from the outset, then you have to, like, you're doing that with the intention of your audience slowly unpacking all of it, and that's enough. Whereas Tomino gives you everything very straightforwardly because he's going to give you a lot more. Like, there's going to be and, a lot. He doesn't have time to couch in a bunch of nonsense, which I guess also makes Dunbine weird because he does start off a lot of things couched in nonsense. Which is also, like, also, Tomino characters have... There's a propensity for Tomino characters to just be lying or be factually wrong. Mm-hmm. But they won't... Tomino will never do it... Tomino would never... Like, okay, outside of... One or two times like Char. Tomino uh-huh. won't pull if okay, sorry. sorry. Uh-huh. If it's not the perspective character, Tomino will never pull up to a shot of a character ominously standing there and smiling, going, haha, but they don't know I'm betraying them. <laughs> People will just do that. And you'll have to figure out for yourself. You won't like Tomino characters behave a lot like human beings in that you can't look into their heads. They won't make a lot of very obvious facial expressions, and they won't tell you really how they feel. You just kind of have to really read it. It takes a lot of active engagement with the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it it's... I understand I'm mainly talking about Terminal right now and not Dunbine itself, but Dunbine itself is hard to talk about because we watched one episode of it, and that episode was fucking insane. Yeah, like I think we've talked. I mean, we've gotten we've gone across the insanity, and I think it's pretty clear where the series is going. But apart from that, there's not a whole lot to really delve into. I assume the politics of the show will get more complicated as we introduce more faction. <laughs> yeah, like I, I do think the, the if there is a misdirect in this episode, I think it is that we are supposed to believe that our three main characters are like our three main characters plus Marvel Frozen are the only aura battlers right now. Whereas I feel like as the series like increases in scope, we're going to learn that there's a lot of people from Earth here. Yeah, and one of them is definitely got to be like, I don't know. I don't know if any of these people are intimidating enough to be a main villain. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like there's no one who I can see having a big final fight in an all black Dunbine with the main character. <sighs> yeah like in maybe most other burn. series maybe burn in most other series i, like- I would say uh shots but he I, I don't think shot's gonna be a secret bad guy or anything i think he's gonna be shot kind of like feels this like he's gonna get punked in episode 30 by getting stepped on in a robot by someone that didn't even notice him because if- that's like how tomino villains go out yeah, I feel like he's going to make a nuke or something and then get stepped on. And then the nuke, not him, is going to be one of the big dangerous things in the final episodes. Yeah. Because, like, God, Shot looks like an American man in cosplay. He doesn't look like someone from a fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like the whole vibe you get from him. Yeah. Uh, I think Dunbine's a pretty cool robot. <laughs> it's a cool Beetleman robot. That's uh, it's like sort of biological and technological at the same time. I just appreciate it. It's a nice looking world. Yeah, I think all the like aura technology is really cool. I appreciate the like beetly design as well, and I'm curious to see like. Are we going to go anywhere with that? Like, are we going to go for a like? You have to look somewhat. Um, insect-like in order to fully harness aura power. Or is it like maybe all the, most of these armor plates were directly taken from some giant insects that we killed, which is why these look like insects. Ooh, that would work. Yeah, or maybe these are just like, you know, armored up versions of some monsters, because like I've seen pictures of future or maybe alternate Dunbine works, I don't know which it is, mm-hmm. where they look a lot more biological in nature mm. and i i wonder if that's just supposed to be like oh well this is what dumbbines always look tight like i don't know what you mean it's just in with more <laughs> detail or if this is gonna be like oh no the gen 2 dumbbine robots are just like 
we we stopped trying to make them as technological because the real power was the aura power. Hmm. Nature good, guns bad. I could see it. I don't know. I think Tomino's messages are seldom as straightforward as that. I do know that he's written a lot about Beiston Well. Like, we've got uh, Dunvine. There's also Garzi's Wing, which, like, those both got adapted. But there's also a bunch of other stuff he wrote about Beiston Well. So it's possible that this is going to be, like, you know, a tiny segment of a much bigger world. And in that world, he might eventually get to, like, you know, biological mecha. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious because like clearly like this is clearly like fucking his personal goddamn D and D campaign. It mm-hmm. feels like this world is a like it feels like he has a full like wiki written for what Bison Well is and what its political situation is. That's what this feels like. Like clearly he already knows everything about the Bison Well. Yeah, which. Like I have, I have to enjoy anything with that aesthetic. I am a sucker for people who have a very specific idea and who want to bring it into the world, and like they know all about it, as opposed to what I feel with a lot of isekai we've covered, which is a like I have one idea, but I don't really have a lot around it, so I'm just gonna take a world that I saw in something else and kind of just slap my thing into it. Yeah, I'm just gonna like you know like slap this idea into like a pre-made thing, whereas like. This is like a homebrew campaign. This is not like a slight variation on Curse of Strahd. <laughs> you can't slap this together. No, like that's the thing. That's the that's the terminal difference because you look at these words and the mix of joy and dread, you realize that they all mean things and that you do need to learn them because you won't understand what it is otherwise. Like, I can definitely see myself eventually, like, watching all of, uh, all of, uh, Ouroboros Dunvine and then going back and saying, no, actually, this is extremely good. I could see myself loving it if I give the rest of the series a chance. Yeah, I feel like, uh, just, this series would probably, I, I think that, I, my prediction for how this series pan out, I think it's going to be too long. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to like it. I think I'm going to have a hard time relating to a lot of the characters. I'm also going to go out on a limb and say that the light novels are probably a bit better because, like, now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of the exposition might be stuff that was, you know, like, written out by the narrator. But because this is anime, the, you know, in the adaptation, they decided to just stick into a lot of the characters instead. So it's not all narration. Yeah. But uh, it definitely feels like a thing that's like, this doesn't feel like a show I can watch more than like four, two episodes of a day without feeling completely mm-hmm. burnt out. Mm-hmm. It's not a popcorn viewing thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think we've pretty much discussed this out. I would suggest that yeah. we go into our ratings. All oh, right. Uh-huh. How spicy is this? Oh, man. Like, if, the, if nothing, this has a lot of flavor. <laughs> you do not bite into this and go oh it's bland no there's so much flavor in it i'm going to give it a solid nine in spicy okay personally i think i'm going to give it an eight in spicy okay. which might be unfair because i watched a lot of tomino works but like you know like this has a flavor and that flavor is tomino flavor <laughs> fair <laughs> which to be fair, none of the other isekai that we've watched have had that flavor. So it's in a re- it's like it's like suddenly it's like eating Chinese for a week and suddenly getting a full English. Mm-hmm. Like I I do think part of my rating is also like I do rate these isekai in con- you know in contrast to each other. So like my nine is definitely with the understanding that we have not consumed anything Tomino Isekai yet. Like when we get around to Garzi's Wing, I imagine that might like you know that might drop down on the sole basis of me having seen one episode of Dunbine, and therefore like you know it has less of that special flavor. Yeah, this will definitely make me more disappointed in like improper word usage. Although I'm still not quite convinced of this good word usage, or I'm just fooled by the air of like this feels important because like mm-hmm. uh, the clear distinction is most of the time you hear someone say a word most of the time the, the like most of the time someone will say 
this is a sword. We call it a blabagook. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is just dumb. Cause like, why aren't you just calling it a sword? But this yeah. is him pointing at a scenery with ten weird shapes and going, This is a blabagook. <laughs> and I'm looking at that and I'm like, which one? <laughs> and then we move on with the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, to be fair, I think that's a lot more reason to use a word. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Thermite, how isekai is this? Ah, uh, I mean, it can't be a solid 10. We do see a tiny bit of, you know, the world that our main character comes from, and they do actually talk about it quite a bit. Like, yeah, it really does hammer home the like, this is another world. And, you know, plus we have Lord Shot himself who brought technology to the world. Like, who is the isekai protagonist? You know what? I I started the saying this isn't a 10, but I'm going to give it a 10, actually. I mean, this couldn't be more about being an isekai, basically, but like it is so isekai. I'm going to be like. An eight. Okay. <laughs> because I'm flip-flopping of, again <laughs> in like how much I want this to be the tropes of Isekai to get out of Isekai. But I think like, yeah, yeah, this is extremely about being like an Isekai. This is basically okay. all that's happening is like them talking about how guns are being brought into the world and everything. Now, wait, did we skip over Nicey? Ah, uh, I just forgot the order we do these in. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it's spicy, nicey, and isekaisy. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so how isekaisy is this? No, we just did isekaisy. <laughs> Fuck! How nicey is this? Uh-huh. I might this give is it a... the most difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I might have to give this one a three? Did you really hate it that much? It's not that I hate it. It's that there's not a lot in it I liked. <laughs> like, I like the... <laughs> I enjoyed the visuals. And I enjoyed talking about it with you. But in terms of, like, watching an episode of an anime and deriving enjoyment from it, I don't know if I got a lot of that. This is as unenjoyable as watching Gate? I would put it on the same level at... Like, in very different ways. This is this is not nicey in the way the gate like gate is not nicey for a bunch of different things. There's a lot of things in gate I actively dislike, whereas in Dunvine, there's a lot of me staring at the screen and going, I don't know what I just read. What is getting closer to like a five than a three, though? That's like a more neutrality than badness, isn't it? I mean, I think is something that I watch neutrally is still something that I am watching and comprehending. <laughs> See, I guess that's just a personal difference. For me, if something goes below a five on my rating scale, there has to be some active badness rather than just a lack of goodness. Mm. Yeah, I would but, say, you know, yeah. Your rating scale, so. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely below average in terms of something that I am enjoying. I can conceptually okay. enjoy it more on a, you know, in a conversation, but that is separate from the episode itself. Okay, well, I'm personally going to give it, like, a seven, I think. Okay, sure. It's hard to say. I hated having to recap it, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy watching it, because I just enjoy watching things that are buck-fucking-wild. <laughs> and it's just so insane. I just, it's hot. I don't know if I liked it. It's like in a quantum state of being like a seven and a four <laughs> and a nine. Yeah. You know, it's all of the above. Just look at a ratings scale and say it's all of the above. <laughs> Fair That's enough. how much I enjoyed it. I, I can respect that level of what is going on. What are we consuming? What? Why are we here? Just to suffer? <laughs> Honestly, this show makes me think, wow, th- this show feels like it inspired Metal Gear. That's my final rating. All right, let me just type that in on the doc we have. 
Mine was a three. Yours was a inspired Metal, metal Gear. Gear out of ten. <laughs> metal Gear. All right, so that's our ratings. What is Sky are we doing next week? Uh, we d- we did have one that we said we were going to do next week, which yes. which was the ones within. Okay, so I suppose that is what we're doing next week. Mm-hmm. Then I'll see you around inside. Okay, we're doing where we will be the ones within. Woo!